0: I want to tell you the story of God's grace. The story I want to share begins in an unlikely place. It begins in Romans 3 verse 23. It tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God.
1: I am a sinner. I have done wrong. I have rebelled against God.
2: I have sinned.
1: I have sinned. I am a sinner. I have rebelled against God. I have done evil in god's eyes i have lied i have cheated
0: i have stolen i have lusted i have not honored god with my mouth
1: i have struggled with anger i have gossiped
0: i am a sinner i have done wrong i have rebelled against god we
2: are sinners
0: i have sinned and you have sinned the truth is we all have sinned we have all done wrong and because of this romans 6 verse 23 says The wages of sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death. Because I have sinned, I deserve hell. Because I have disobeyed God, I deserve hell. Because I have rebelled against God, I deserve hell. Because of my sin, I deserve an eternity separated from God. Because of my sin, I deserve to go to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because of my sin, I deserve to go to the fiery furnace.
1: Because of my sin, I deserve to go to the place of unquenchable fire. Because of my sin, I deserve to go to the place where the worm never dies. Because of my sin, I deserve to go to the place where there is no rest. The place of destruction, the place of condemnation, the place of damnation.
0: To the lake of burning sulfur,
1: because I've sinned, I deserve hell.
0: I, deserve hell. I, deserve hell.
1: We all deserve hell.
0: So because of our sin, we deserve death, physical death eternal death because of our sin we deserve God's wrath but Romans 6 verse 23 continues by saying for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus
1: I was destined for hell but for God so of the world, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to earth.
0: While on earth, Jesus lived a perfect life. A sinless life.
1: A life of complete obedience to God.
0: But even though Jesus lived a perfect life,
1: the people beat Jesus. They spit on Jesus. They whipped Jesus. They put a crown of thorns on Jesus. They crucified Jesus.
0: When Jesus was on the cross, something unimaginable happened. The world went dark, the earth shook, and the wrath of god descended on jesus christ god the father poured out his wrath upon his own son and you might be asking why why would god do this to his one and only son Because of grace.
1: Because God loves you. Because
2: God loves me. Because God loves us.
1: Because of God's grace, in Jesus, I'm forgiven. Because of God's grace, our sin is cast as far as the East is from the West. Because of God's grace, my sins are washed away. Because
0: of God's grace, in Jesus, I am now pure. I
1: am now cleansed. I am now made holy in God's eyes. We are saved by God's grace.
0: Because of God's grace, we have everything we need through Jesus Christ.
1: Good morning once again. uh, I guess for those of you who were not paying attention five minutes ago, my name is still Molly Jasper. And if you were paying attention, it's Molly Jasper still. I don't, I can't change that at all. But I want to talk to us a little bit about the second part of our message, which is the physical and spiritual needs of our world. So far this morning, we have been reminded that if we are in Christ, we have salvation through God's grace and faith in Jesus. We are lavished in God's grace. But at this point, I want to turn our attention to some of the physical and spiritual needs in our world. Starting with physical needs, what are some physical needs that our world has today? Well, let's start off with an obvious one, hunger. World hunger is and has been a problem for a very long time. In fact, of the 7.7 billion people on this earth, 13% of them live with hunger. That is 795 million people. And just under that is thirst, with 11% of the world's population, 790 million people. Because of this, 26,000 children die every day due to starvation and preventable diseases. 26,000. To give you an idea about how many people that is, the city of Walker has just about 25,000 people. So more children die every day due to starvation and preventable diseases than the entire population of the city of Walker. Now, those are just some world statistics. Let's zoom in a little bit to the state. The state of Michigan has 1.4 million people living in hunger. That's about one in seven people. 30% are actually children. On top of that, there's 100,000 homeless people. Now, let's zoom in even farther, the state, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids has the third most homeless people out of every city in the state. That's about 800 people, half of them, again, families with children. Because of this, well, not because of this, but Grand Rapids Public Schools also has 100% free and reduced lunch rate. This means that about 50% uh, 50,000 students don't have access to meals outside of school hours. Now, our world is obviously in some great, Physical need, but we are in even bigger spiritual need. I said before that we have about 7.7 billion people on this earth. Out of those 7.7 billion, 3.2 billion of them have never heard the name of Jesus. That means that 7,000 people groups have never heard the gospel. That means 40% of the current world has no hope for eternal life. Physical hunger and thirst, those go away after a little bit. This, this is forever. Now, like I said before, it is obvious that our world has incredible physical and spiritual needs. And we as Christians have a duty to do something about that. Jesus says in Matthew 28, chapter uh, chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It is our duty as disciples of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. He has put that responsibility on us, but I think that often we are too busy focusing on other things to really focus in on this mission that God has given us. It is our job to do something about the spiritual needs that we have in this world. And not only that, but God also makes it abundantly clear that it is our job to do something about the physical needs in this world. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of Christ be in them? If anybody has material possessions. I want to point out that most of us here today are full of material possessions. In fact, on average, a person in Michigan makes about $55,000. Now, I want you to imagine with me for a moment, okay? The average Christian gives about 2.5% of their income, but God wants us to tithe. Tithing is to give 10% of your income. So what would happen if every Christian tithed? And not only that, what would happen if every Christian in Michigan alone tithed? Do you know how much money the church would have? This is crazy, so you you gotta listen to me here because my mom didn't even believe me. So like, some of you don't even know me, why would you trust me? She knows me, she didn't trust me, so here we go. It's 38 billion dollars. I know, I know, 38 billion dollars. What could the church do with 38 billion dollars? If you don't believe me, you can Google it, it's crazy. So, like I said before, One in seven people in Michigan live with hunger. That would cost about $635 million to fix. But we have $38 billion, so let's go a little bigger. Global hunger. Global hunger would cost $25 billion to fix. If every Christian in just the state of Michigan tithed, we could solve global hunger and prevent deaths from starvation and preventable diseases within five years, if just in Michigan. And on top of that, it would cost $1 billion to fully fund all overseas mission work. If every Christian in Michigan tithed, we could wipe out global hunger, deaths from preventable diseases and starvation, and fully fund all overseas mission work. And we would still have like $14 billion left over. It's a lot of money. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of Christ be in them? God also calls his followers to be part of this thing. It's called the Society of the Second Mile. Now this term comes to us from a devotional book by Max Lucado, Lucado, last names are hard. But it comes from a devotional book by Max Lucado. We're gonna go with that. And in this devotional book, he talks a lot about giving sacrificially The verse that he uses to back up this statement comes to us from Matthew chapter five, verses 41 and 42, which say, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too, give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. What does that mean? Well, back in Jesus's time, Roman soldiers could go up to a Jewish citizen give them all of their stuff and force them to go with them one mile. They could just throw all of their stuff onto the Jewish citizen and be like, hey, we're leaving, let's go. They could force them to go one mile. But here, Jesus says, whoever compels you to go one mile, whoever forces you to go with them one mile, go with them too. Do more than what you are asked of and serve those in this world. And honestly, sometimes going the second mile isn't going to be that fun. For example, last year, I ran cross-country. We ran two miles, and before you'd start every race, they'd be like, don't don't worry, it's just about having fun. No, it's not fun, okay? But God calls us to do this, and he calls us to do it with joy and with grace. And we can do this with joy and with grace because we are in Christ. And for everyone who is in Christ, God promises us two things. One, eternal salvation, or eternal life, what? He promises us eternal life. We have the hope of living with God forever on the new heaven and the new earth. Secondly, in Matthew 6, Sermon of the Mount, we just finished a study on this, like, what, two weeks ago? It's fresh in our minds. So in Matthew 6, God promises to feed us and to clothe us and to take care of all of our needs. So if we are in Christ, we can trust that we have all we need in God. If we truly believe that we have eternal salvation and if we truly believe that God will feed us if we truly believe that God will clothe us, if we truly believe that God has already taken care of all of our needs, then we are totally free to give sacrificially. I invite Amen. Greg Amen. up to finish this off here.
2: Uh, good stuff, Molly. Thank you for, for sharing with us, sharing your heart. We hope that we have been abundantly clear on two things this morning. First, we hope that we've been abundantly clear that God has lavished us in grace. As Molly was saying, we have hope for eternal life. Eternal life on the new heaven and new earth with God forever and ever. For anyone in this sanctuary who is in Christ, we have hope for life eternal with God, and so we cherish that. We hold that. That is our hope, but Molly also reminded us God's going to take care of every single need that we have. He says don't worry about tomorrow. He's going to take care of our our food. He's going to give us clothes. We don't have to worry about a thing. We can have the faith like a child. When we were children, we didn't go up to our parents and say, "Uh, Mom, I'm worried about getting food. I'm worried about where am I going to get my clothes, right? Our heavenly father, or excuse me, our earthly father clothed us. Our earthly father fed us. Our heavenly father is going to do the same thing. God has lavished us in grace. The second thing we hope that we have been abundantly clear on is that our world has urgent physical and urgent spiritual needs. 25, 26,000 people, children, die every single day because of a lack of food or due to preventable diseases. Our world has a lot of physical needs. Our world has even more spiritual needs. If 40% of our current world does not know the name of Jesus, we confess they don't have hope for eternal life. As Molly so brilliantly reminded us it is our job as Christians to go make disciples. And so, in light of all the grace that God has lavished on us, due to the fact that every single one of us, if we have faith in Christ, know without a shadow of a doubt we have eternal life on the new heaven and new earth with God forever and ever, and knowing that God is going to take care of our needs— I want to ask you this question, it's a question that was posed by David Platt, and the question is this, in a world full of urgent physical and spiritual need, with the grace that we have received from God, how can you make the most of your life for God's glory in our community and in our world? in a world full of urgent physical and spiritual needs, everything that Molly talked about, knowing that God has lavished us in grace, knowing that we have hope for eternal life, how can you make the most of your life for God's glory? How can you make the most of your life for God's good? Not our own, right? Remember, we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. How can you make the most of your life so that God is glorified and made known to the ends of the earth? How can you use your life to serve the poor, to serve the needy, to bring about change to all of these injustices that surround physical and spiritual needs? It's my hope that this morning God has just placed something in your mind and on your heart. I hope right now you know that God is convicting you to do something. I don't know what God is calling you to do, but I hope you will be obedient in that. But for those of you who are saying, I'm not really sure how to respond to this. I know that I have received lavish grace from God. I realize I have hope for eternal life. I realize there's a bunch of needs in our world, but what can I do? And if you're asking that question, uh, I want to just give you maybe a few possibilities. Maybe God this morning is nudging your heart to say, it's time to pack up your bags and go to a third world country. There are two people that I know of in our church who are wrestling with that thought right now. One young woman is saying, I I, I wanna prepare myself to go to the Middle East. Another young woman is saying, I think I wanna go to Africa at some point. And they're really wrestling with God. God, when do I do this? How do I do this? And for some of you, you might be saying, that sounds like a terrible idea. That sounds dangerous. Two women going to a, a foreign country that are very much hostile towards Christians. That doesn't make sense. But these two young women are saying, I have everything I need in Jesus. They're saying, I have hope for eternal life. I know that when I die, I'm gonna go spend in eternity with God on the new heaven and new earth. What do I have to lose? They're saying, I know God is going to take care of every single need that I have. Because they have received everything in Jesus, they are free to give everything for Jesus. But I realize God is probably not calling all of us to pack up and go to a third world country. Um, in fact, I very much feel like my calling at this point in my life right now is to serve right here to do youth ministry at this church to help disciple young people. You know, for me, I know God has placed me there. And there are 16 or 17 other youth leaders who say, I can respond to this question by sacrificing my Sunday night or my Wednesday night and a lot of hours in between those nights to disciple students. We gather every single week to help them look more like Jesus Christ. And so maybe God is nudging you this morning, all right, I've got to be more sacrificial with my time. It's time to step up and serve. Remember Pastor Bob's goal for us, we'd have 100 new leaders step up to serve. Maybe this is the encouragement that you need today to say, you know what, I'm going to step up, and I'm going to make disciples right here at our church, right here in our community. Another option for you might be uh, to disciple a friend group. I'm assuming most of us have friends who don't have the same beliefs that we do, or if they do, their lives don't necessarily align with Jesus's uh, commands. (laughs) Uh, And over the past year, I became super convicted because I have spent the last seven years of my life just pouring in to students at this church. But for the past 20 years, I have had a friend group over in the door in Wayland area whose lives don't necessarily look like Jesus's. And so this past January, I said to to three other guys, I'm like, hey, let's meet every Tuesday night and just see how we can make our lives look more like Jesus Christ. And it's been nothing special, but I have absolutely loved it. All we do is watch a five-minute video and answer some questions. That is something every single person in this sanctuary can do. So maybe you have a friend group who you can say, let's go look like more, let's go look more like Jesus. Another possibility might be even to serve as a Kids Hope mentor. There are hundreds of kids just down the road at Central Elementary. You can spend one hour once a week teaching them how to read, helping them do math, or maybe even just be a friend. Sometimes you don't even do schoolwork. (laughs) Eat a snack with them. Teach these young boys how to become a man. Teach these young women how to be a woman of the faith. One hour, once a week. I don't know how God is convicting you this morning, but all of the ways that I have just talked about, they require sacrifice. They cost you something. And perhaps they cost you the very thing that is most precious to you, and that is your time. But remember, we have absolutely everything we need in Jesus. Because I have hope to live eternal life with God in the new heaven and new earth, I'm free to give up a Sunday night, a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night. Because I have hope in Jesus Christ, because you have hope in Jesus Christ, we can give up that hour a week to go be a Kids Hope Mentor. We can serve here in our church community. We can go downtown and love people here. We can give up our jobs and move to the Middle East. Why? Because we have everything we need through the grace of Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to say is I also believe that this is a financial conversation that we need to have. Molly revealed to us that simply... People who profess Christ here in the state of Michigan, if they were to tithe, we could eradicate global hunger within five years. This is not a Molly Jasper number. This is what all of the world visions, Compassion International, all of the world leaders say. It would take $25 billion and we could do this within five years, prevent every um, preventable disease. <laughs> it's tangible. It's crazy. It's crazy how realistic that is for us. And so maybe God is encouraging you to support a child through World Vision, $38 a month. You can feed that child, give him clean water, give him a future that he didn't have. Maybe God is convicting you to tithe, to give 10%. Maybe you want to support a missionary Maybe you want to support a missionary organization. I don't know what God is calling you to do, but I firmly believe that God is calling us all to do something. And so I want to end this message by once again posing this question. And I just want to leave it to you for maybe 30 seconds to contemplate, to think about it. And then we uh, will sing one more song. In a world full of urgent and physical and spiritual need, with the grace that you have received from God, how can you make the most of your life for God's glory
1: in our community and in our world?